I remember saying, Dad, you're embarrassing me, please. You have a line of people tapping their feet. And uh, he's like, these people don't pay my bills, so that they can wait. So getting into the mindset that it's okay to save money, it's okay to get that sale price. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Exciting news. We are giving away a copy of today's guest book. So if you want your chance to win a copy, go to journeytolaunch.com slash win for more details. Also make sure you're following me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to get the details. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers. I am excited as I always am to have a special guest on the podcast. Today, we will be talking to Tony Okamoto. She's the founder of A Plant Based on a Budget, the popular website and meal plan that shows you how to save dough by eating veggies. Her new cookbook is Plant Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. She's also the co-host of the Plant Powered People podcast. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast, Tony. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yes. Okay. So I want this to be part instructional and educational for us, for me, you know, about how to save money on groceries and how to be the most efficient when it comes to cooking and meal prep and plans. But I am so interested in your actual personal journey because you also have a story of paying off debt. You said sixty to $70,000 of debt that you paid off between credit cards and school loans, and then just you growing your business into what it is. So I'd love to maybe let's start there with your background. And you said you started to eat this diet because out of, because of a necessity. You didn't have money. And so can you take us back to that that point where you were? I left my parents' house out of spite. We're good now, but at the time, uh, they were really... I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. They had a lot of rules and they're very strict parents and they super cared about me, which I understand now, but at the time felt very oppressive. So I left right out of high school and I didn't have any money saved. So I got some credit cards and I honestly didn't really understand the concept of credit cards. I had not had financial literacy taught to me at a young age. And so I lived beyond my means. I shared a room with two other people. And I did not have a lot of overhead in my home. But I was buying food 
while I was eating out with friends. I was racking up credit card debt. I got some of those department store credit cards, which are super high interest, and I couldn't pay for them. So I didn't. I stopped paying for them. I was part of a credit union, which kicked me out of the credit union because I I overspent and underdelivered in payments. So it was very hard, which made life in my early 20s, mid 20s, very extremely hard because then you can't find a place to rent. You can't buy a car, even a used car from the most sketchy place uh, won't give you a loan to get a car. And so I was carless for a while. And it wasn't until about 2015 that I started to think about what I wanted for my future. I started plant-based on a budget in 2012, but then I went full-time in 2016. So around that time, I was making some big changes. I also decided to go back to school, which took on a lot more debt. I remember going to the office of the college that I picked. I picked the University of San Francisco, which is a private school. And I was so grateful that I got in. But I was crying because I I couldn't take on any more debt. And the thought of losing out on education when I had not already had it all of my 20s seemed so overwhelming. And I remember feeling like, what a gift that people have to get to go to school debt-free, whether that's through scholarships or family money or however else, grants. Uh, I didn't have that. And so I packed on more debt. And again, it was a private school. So it was pretty, it was a pretty penny. And at that time, I started also making money maybe in 2017 with my plant-based on a budget. Um, I was selling these $5 meal plans, showing people how to eat affordably. And I got featured in a documentary on Netflix called What the Health. And it changed my life. I started selling a lot of these $5 meal plans and I continued living as though I did not have a lot of money. I tried to pay off as much of my school loans as possible. Then I went over to my high interest loans. Uh, I also had a bunch of collections at the time. So I was trying to pay off those. And my goal of all of this was by the time I got married and I got married in 2019 to be debt-free. I came into my marriage with zero dollars, but I came in not negative. So I was so proud of myself. And I just kept living like I was on a very tight budget. And actually, I was listening to one of your podcast episodes uh, where you were talking about what it's like to start earning, but to live below your means and to save that money. And it really, really helps you get out of debt and to feel like you are in control of your financial freedom. Yeah. Well, thank you for that background. What When you were applying to go to school, what was going to be your major? Like, What did you think you were going to do professionally? Uh, I knew what I was going to do. So I went back to school when I was in my late 20s and I graduated when I was 30 uh, and I studied management And we talked a lot about business and how to run a a team. And at that same time, I had just started plant-based on a budget full-time. So I was able to directly apply and use my degree while I was learning and starting the business. Yeah. Did you at the time know and was was building your business to be your full-time thing or... You were going to go into corporate America and then do it on the side. What was your like? What was your plan? 
So I started plant-based on a budget in 2012 and it was a passion project. I initially started it because I wanted my family to eat healthier. They were suffering from a lot of diet-related issues like type 2 diabetes and heart disease and it was it was fatal for some people and it was just awful. So it was my way of showing how you can eat without eat well and healthy and nourishing with without spending a fortune and without having to leave the grocery store that you currently shop. And so always a passion project, a form of activism even. And it wasn't until I was laid off later that I thought, well, I don't know what to do. Like I was interviewing for a lot of jobs. The interviewing processes are so ridiculous sometimes. I was doing three months of one job interview, working interviews, and they really take their time. And that, meanwhile, I was focusing my full-time energy on plant-based on a budget. And I was able to see what you could, could accomplish with that energy. I was receiving unemployment. So I did have some money coming in, but it was a fraction of what I was making. And I, at the time, I was only making $34,000 a year. So it wasn't a lot of money. So back into debt. But anyway, I I really appreciated that time because I did not ever consider it as a job. And it wasn't until I was really propelled into it full time that I could see the potential and believe in myself. And I had some cheerleaders cheering me on along the way saying, you can do that. You can do anything you want. Meanwhile, I also had some naysayers. My parents thought I was taking a step back in life and that uh, they worked so hard to give me opportunities to get me a job that would pay me healthcare benefits. And I was choosing this path of hardship and they didn't understand nor nor support me initially. So it's a tough choice. But if you really believe in yourself and you have the grit and the desire, you can really make it happen. And I had no experience in business. I had no experience in money management. I had no experience across the board. And now I have a team of six people who work with me. And it's such a great feeling to believe in yourself and to build confidence and to surround yourself with people who are really, really inspiring you to continue on. Yeah, well, so a team of six people, I just pulled up your Instagram. You have over 560,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, so obviously you built a significant brand and business and one of the things that you mentioned, you, you started us out as like a necessity, the love for eating, you know, plants or sharing with your family because it was like for health reasons and necessity. But then it was also a passion project. How was it changing going from a passion project to a business for you? Because I, I feel like emotionally and mentally, there is a shift that happens. Like when I started Journey to Launch, while I had my full-time job, it was more of a passion project. And then I saw the potential and now I'm doing this full-time. And things have changed, like for me, at least with how I view the business. And before it was like, it was almost like my escape from my corporate job, but then it became the pathway and my full-time job. So how did you deal with that difference? Because I know some people will say, if it's sometimes passion projects should stay passion projects, like don't make it your full-time thing or depend on it for money. But then sometimes like in my case, I really didn't have a choice. I felt like I'd rather do this full time than my corporate job. So what was it like for you to switch gears or make that transition? That is a great question. And I have all kinds of thoughts and feelings about it. I am in a unique position and I think you are too, because 
it was a point of passion. I hear a lot of people who want to go into this career because of the perks that come along with it. But for a very long time, you don't experience any perks at all. You give your money, you give your time, you give your energy, your love, and your care, and it will take as much as you give. And so I strongly, strongly recommend that people really feel the passion for it so that you can create boundaries. You can create a long-term relationship with your career and give it a lot, but not your all. Like I, I love my job and I still struggle with my boundaries and I can see myself doing this long-term because I want to. It makes me happy. It makes me feel fulfilled. I live for chatting with people about making recipes and there's that. And uh, and then the difference between now and then is also learning to let go of what you're passionate about. I now, again, work with a team of people and to bring people into your space and allow them to take things that you love doing because they'll do it better. And they'll give it more care care and attention. It's really tough. And I still work on that, but I am I'm glad I'm in a position now to have help because it allows me to focus on the things that I really, really, really enjoy doing. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And also too, like people also do things differently. Cause I'm I'm sure like you did every single thing. You touched all parts of your business. And I don't have a like I don't have a full-time team. I have contractors or people who help me and are good. But nothing like that's full time, but still yet, like you're trusting other people with, you know, your baby. But then I realize sometimes where I'm like, all right, just because you may have wrote the sentence that way if you did it, but it's okay if they, they use this color or they didn't add a line. Like, you know, sometimes I have to step back myself and say, that's not important. Can you focus on the important things? So I don't know if you feel that too with your business. I do. I really do. And it, I started out uh, when I hired my first person. I think this also goes back to money control and to to have been without to to invest for the very first time was so hard for me. I hired someone for four hours a week, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's four hours I'm paying someone now. I hope they do a good job. I hope it works out." And having that four hours back in my life was amazing. I'm grateful it worked out and it allowed me to continue feeling comfortable letting a little bit go and a little bit go. And as I was able to have those four hours and then five hours and six hours back in my life, I was also able to look for other opportunities that I can monetize with those five hours of my life. So maybe this person is taking up X amount of money, I'm now able to use that time to pay for that person plus more with that time I have back in my life. And so to have that mindset shift, to know it it is a risk, but believe in yourself and, and make it work is, in my opinion and in my experience, worth it in the end. It's like necessary too. I, I, I realize when I talk to fellow personal finance content creators, and, and people in the space, or even like, you know, your, your brand is, is about still saving money and eating healthy on a diet, but also you, you, you came from a place where you also didn't have a lot of money. So I find like the shift of how you deal with your personal finances and personal financial goals and how you deal with your business 
you have to know when to turn it on. Like, okay, yes, we want to save money and be efficient. But also I find when I look at even myself and other people and how they think about their business, they don't want to spend the money like to, for someone else to do that job when it's costing them a lot of time and energy because they're they're so focused on saving, saving, being efficient, efficient in, in one aspect and not looking at the gain like that is an investment. So it's important like switch to make. It is. It is. And I think it's extra hard when you work at home and when you're just getting started, like when I just started, I was working as a sole proprietor and I didn't, again, have that money management skill uh, or skill set. So I didn't know that I should start a business bank account and keep my money separately. And okay, this is this is bad, but I didn't pay taxes for a long time because I thought I owed a lot of money and I couldn't afford to pay it back. And so I ended up having enough money to go to an accountant and we got settled and I ended up getting money back, which was cool. And I thought, oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? Because I had penalties. Anyway, I I learned at that point that I was doing everything wrong by mixing business money and personal money. And I learned that there were tax benefits that were not running as a sole proprietor, but also providing me protections with an LLC. So when you don't have the knowledge and you're just kind of flailing out there by yourself, it is a challenge. And now there's so much good information out for free, like this podcast and and others where you can absorb as much as you can take in and not be flailing out there. But if you don't have the knowledge and you don't know what you're doing and you didn't intend down this to go down this path, it can be a little bit of a challenge for sure. Yeah. Well, you talk about, you mentioned that you were featured in the Netflix documentary and that was almost, you know, an avalanche or it helped like boost what you were doing. I I find that interesting because for a lot of people, maybe they'll, they won't get that Netflix experience or be featured on a Netflix, but it's going to take just consistency and time. Or maybe it's not a Netflix thing. Maybe it's a feature somewhere or interview or a chance meeting with someone who can help them. How did you getting featured in that come about? Did they see your work online and reach out? Did you pitch yourself? And then if you didn't get that, like, let's just say that never happened for you. I know it's hard to go back in time. What things would you think you feel like you would have done to hopefully get to where you are still today? I had a connection of a connection. Like I knew a person who knew a person uh, who recommended me for the for the documentary and were familiar with my work online and with these free meal plans that I had created showing that you could eat a healthy plant-based diet on a very tight budget. If you are on, um, at the time I was showing that you can eat for $100 per month, seven days a week, three meals a day, and still feeling full shopping at the grocery store that you shop at. And that's how that got featured. But if I didn't have that experience, which I've only had one experience like that. And so I had a wave in the beginning. I got some followers. I got some customers. But the rest of the time, it has been coming to the table, even when I don't want to, even when I don't feel motivated uh, and showing up consistently for now over a decade. I have been doing plant-based on a budget for 11 years. And a lot of times I didn't feel like it, but it's my job. If I worked at 
a retail store or in corporate America or as a as an educator, I have to show up to my job or else I don't make a living. And uh, I tried to keep the same mindset when I'm running my business. Even if I don't want to, I have to show up and do my work. And again, I do create better boundaries now than I ever have in my past. But I'm also in the position to have a little bit more flexibility now than I ever have. Did you know I broke out the path to financial independence into what I call five journeyer stages? That's right. There are five stages that you have to travel through to reach complete financial independence. When you know your stage, you know what to focus on and how to move on to the next stage. I created a free one-minute quiz to help you determine what stage you're in. After you take the quick quiz, you'll know where you are on your financial independence journey, the main thing you should focus on, Plus, you'll get a curated list of 10 Journey to Launch podcast episodes to listen to that will help you for your specific stage. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash mystage right now to take the free quiz. That's journeytolaunch.com slash mystage. You've been doing this for over a decade. So this is not like overnight success. I, I mean, they always say like the overnight success someone sees, it's like, years of work that you did not see. And then also for you to be in the position, even if it was an introduction and a friend of a friend and you had to, you know, you were running against maybe like three other people they were considering, you still had to have the work, right? Like you still had to have the work that showed that you could handle, right? This new opportunity, which is why I say, like, maybe you're not known right now. Maybe you don't have a a following, but all it takes is one. You don't. You actually don't need a million followers or 10,000. You just need one follower that potentially has a connection to a connection or some influence. And that's all you need. And so you need to show up and do the work. Some of the best lessons I, uh, I learned along this journey are from just asking friends questions. When I decided to go full-time, I was willing to talk to anybody who would talk to me about business because I didn't know anything. And I remember I started a Patreon and I had this friend who was a swing dancer. I'm a swing dancer. Uh, He gave me something like $10 a month for a very short period of time. And I sent him a thank you card and he texted me back and he said, no problem. I used to do business. If you ever want to get some coffee, I'm happy to help you any way I can. I took the coffee meeting with him and he helped me create a plan for my business. We sat for four hours in that coffee date. We went through a SWOT analysis. We created a one, three, and five-year plan. And I had not thought about my blog as a business before. And also he created goals for me and I created goals for me. The one, the three, and the five-year plan. Having someone dream big for you is it's it's like a confidence booster. I remember he said, one day I would like you to make $70,000. And he could have said a bajillion dollars. I was like, what? $70,000? You want me to make that wonder? You're crazy. Uh, Because I was coming from a place where I made first, my my salary was 28. And then I got a new job and I got a raise for 34,000. And I was thinking, wow, I hit the jackpot. Uh, and so to then jump to $70,000 was beyond 
belief for me. Uh, But having someone help me dream big for myself and talking to someone I didn't expect to talk to just because he offered was one of the most transformational things in my business. Yeah. I mean, and it's so important to have those relationships and not like even knew that that relationship could have turned into that, but the importance of speaking to other people, like you said, that have a different vision, even if, you know, and and just hearing it out, like sometimes it's maybe not, it's not even something you would pursue, but I always like to just get introduced to ideas. And even if I don't pick them up and take them with me, because it's just not for me, it's just great to be exposed to those possibilities. Exactly. And I, I also started listening to more business podcasts and uh, listening to business books. And like you said, you don't have to take in all of the information, just listen to what other people are doing and take the nuggets that are applicable to your business. And sometimes you find really incredible information out there for free. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to what you're an expertise about, what your book is about, your blog, it's about eating well on a plant-based diet and saving money. So one of the things I love that you said, because it was like, it's it's like a pushback that I even feel when someone says, oh, you can take on just like a full plant-based diet is like, will I feel full? You know, like, or do I have to like change up all my behaviors and go to different stores to get what I want? You, you kind of just like in your, the intro or just when you were talking about it, like, no, that you don't have to do any of that. So help us, (laughs) the benefits of eating plant-based you know, can we still receive some of that if we don't go all plant-based? Maybe we just replace some meals and then we'll get into strategies and tips for like shopping and saving money. All righty. Well, I will say it took me a really long time to be plant-based. It took about six years of doing it at my own pace and stopping eating this and then that. And I didn't intend when I set out on this path to become fully plant-based. So there's that. Uh, I think that whatever anyone does, whether that's meatless Mondays or a vegetarian meal um, once every few days, I feel like that is good. Introducing more plants into your diet will only benefit you. Uh, So I started for health. I was eating a ton of fast food and processed foods. And my coach uh, from my track team said that I should chill so that I could stop feeling sick after practice. Uh, He suggested I stop eating red meat and stop eating the fast food. And I did. And I began to thrive as a runner. And I also felt better in a few different ways. Uh, My digestion, especially. I hear that the most. That's the number one thing I hear uh, doing this for so long is that it makes bathroom time a much easier, faster experience. Uh, So that's introducing more fiber into your diet is a good thing. And along that comes with also um, more water because of all the produce that you're eating. So people tend to have clearer skin. So those are some things. But for me, I first started with red meat, then I very, very, very slowly and poorly went into vegetarianism. I still ate things with like chicken broth or um, would just pick the pepperoni off of my pizza. And I felt that's totally fine for me. So I I had no hard and fast rules. But now that I've been vegan for 16 years, I do feel I do feel good. I feel like it is not as challenging now than as it was 16 years ago, I can eat 
places people know what vegan means. If you tell them in advance, they can whip something up for you. It's much more delicious before you could get one type of soy milk. Now you can get a hundred different types of milks at the store that are non-dairy. And after surveying my audience, I found that 65% of people eat meat still. They just want to eat more plant-based. They want their families to feel better and healthier. And it's often a suggestion from a doctor. They watched a documentary or they're trying to save money. Those are the reasons that people come to my website. And then the primary store that they shop at is Walmart. So I've done a ton of free resources showing what I eat in a day on a budget from Walmart, Dollar Tree, and other stores like that that are more accessible if you live in places that don't have a lot of access to fresh food or different types of grocery stores. Right. And as you were talking about how you slowly transition, it's one of those things where as someone who eats everything, you know, I look and I'm like, well, if I start on this trend or not a trend like it's fad, but if I start on this path, my intention is not to want to be vegan, right? Or like, I don't know, but there's like levels, right? Like you can, you're, you eat everything and then maybe you, your elimination, you cut out certain things. I just don't eat red meat or maybe, okay, I cut out all meat. I only eat fish or maybe it's like I'm vegetarian, but I feel like there's like, you know, there's levels to where you start getting more refined or I would assume vegan is kind of the, if we're looking at a spectrum, like it's on the other end of like, if you eat everything. And for some people, it's like, well, I don't want like to be vegan. Like, and so you don't even want to start the process because you're like, what if I end up there? But you're also cutting yourself off from the possibilities of what the benefits of being vegan could be versus because you don't know anything about it. You're assuming like your life will be forever like changed in not a good way, if that makes sense. (laughs) I I totally understand what you're saying. And one thing I do want to point out from my experience is that going into it, it seems like it can be more restrictive because you feel like you're eliminating this here and you're eliminating this there. However, for me, I was opened up to an entirely new world of international cuisines and different flavors and different types of produce. I grew, grew up never having had kale or butternut squash, or other very popular plant-based ingredients, even brown rice. It took me quite a while to develop a place in my palate for brown rice because it's nuttier texture. I am Japanese and Mexican. We we eat white rice. Uh, So it opened me up and made me a little bit uncomfortable for a while to trying new foods and flavors and textures and spices. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to think about it. It's not what you're giving up. It's what you're gaining on the other side, right? The flavors, the different cultures that do just eat vegan or vegetarian types of meals. Well, okay. So talk talk to me about saving money while shopping, because if we're looking at someone's budget, like a typical person's budget, you know, we have the mortgage and rent, we have like these, these bills and things that we have to pay for and we have to pay to eat, right? For food and Sometimes groceries and going out to eat for a lot of people, like that's at the top, right under like the mortgage or whatever car payment they have. It's up there. And so especially with today and inflation and the price of groceries, like the egg, you know, the price of eggs uh, going up. What what are some ways and some strategies that we can use to shop better, to save money, but to still enjoy what we eat? I'm sure that you're very um, savvy 
audience is aware of this, but I want to mention it just in case, but meal planning is my number one tip. Creating a plan and not allowing opportunity for impulsive purchases is going to save so much money. I know that when I had an hour and a half commute each way to work, if I didn't have something waiting for me at home or have an idea of what I was going to quickly throw together, I would stop at Chipotle and get a $6, $7 burrito. Uh, And instead, I could use that $7 to buy a whole meal for my family. You can easily throw together a bean chili uh, that is super filling, and even the cornbread for uh, for your chili for ten bucks for your family of four. So you can definitely save a lot of money by creating a plan and start with seeing what you already have on hand. Build your meal plan based on the ingredients that you have in your pantry and your freezer, your fr- refrigerator, so you're not having to go buy everything new. And then when you're creating your meal plan, you also want to make sure that. You have complementary dishes that use the same ingredients so that you're not having to buy stuff for pasta and then have nothing that you could use left over from that pasta for your soup or, or whatever else you're making. Uh, so you want to make them complementary so that you're using all of the ingredients and nothing goes to waste because there is a special place in my heart that is a place of sadness that goes to throwing produce in the garbage. I feel like I'm just taking money out of my wallet and tossing it in the trash. So that's the first place I start. And then the other place is when you're at the grocery store. Eat before you go. Yes. First of all. <laughs> Eat before you go. But while you're there, because you have a meal plan and a grocery shopping list, you can stay the course. When you get there, There's going to be shiny, bright marketing all up in your face. And that's probably paid placement. They're trying to get you to buy that with their bright colors and their um, big sale signs. Stay the course. Go to the aisle where the tomato sauce is instead of seeing that Hunt's sale sign. And look for the price per ounce. Buy the cheapest thing that the cheapest option that you can. And, And then while you're getting rung up, especially if you're buying in bulk, make sure that you've written it down, pay attention because I have so many times written down the wrong number or had been in a conversation with the cashier and maybe they typed it in incorrectly and was overcharged. And if you're paying attention, you can quickly correct it. Um, The other thing is, and this is something that I have struggled with at different parts of my life, but I always channel my dad, George Okamoto, he would do this thing that really embarrassed me. And if we were at the register, he would have them go check the sale price. He would go have a a folder of coupons. He just would not care about saving money and what he needed to do for his family. And I remember saying, Dad, you're embarrassing me, please. You have a line of people tapping their feet. And uh, he was like, these people don't pay my bills so that they can wait. So getting into the mindset that it's okay to save money. It's okay to get that sale price. Yeah, so many good points here. So definitely agree with uh, not going shopping or it's hard to make great decisions when you're hungry. That's me. Like once I'm hungry, all bets are off. I'll buy anything. Like, you know, I don't care. And, you know, it's so funny, even with the shopping while hungry, 
and it, you'll see some memes like going around on social media that like, oh, just spent all this hundreds of dollars on groceries and still like stop for food. <laughs> right. Like so you do really have to have a plan uh, when you're doing these things because it's it's physical. Right. Activity. You're out about. And then by the time you're done, even if you ate before, you might be hungry after. And I find that even what I started to do when I traded Joe's like that is my weak spot. That's where I like to go grocery shopping. And there was this meme that said, I don't go to Trader Joe's with a list. I just go with vibes. And like, I just pick up what like feels good. <laughs> and that's me. I'm like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. But then I'm like, all right, did you, did you really need that? And so like, it's important to have a plan and especially depending on where you are on your journey. So for me, where I am in my financial journey, I like to be a bit more free with the way I spend money. I don't like to be as restrictive, but I tell you this, when I was working at my corporate job and wanted to leave it, or for people who are in debt that want to get out, I do think there is a space, even if you're not you know, sure that you can withstand or want to be as strict, it's important if your goal or you have a desire to get out of your financial situation because it's not serving you, that you do put some things in place that... Don't hopefully feel like restrictions after a while, but feel like liberations towards where you want. So maybe, you know, in five years, you won't need to be so strict with a grocery shopping budget. But for now, because you're trying to get out of debt or leave a job, let's do it if you can save a thousand dollars or, you know, whatever much a month. Like it's important. So I want to just make that clear. And then the other thing is I find that and this is not just for food shopping, but in general, People feel embarrassed, maybe, especially when they go to the counter or they're asking about discounts or something does is rung up wrong. I know, I've seen it. And I've almost experienced it myself where you don't want to feel like you don't have the money or you're being cheap or other people view you that way. But like your dad says, it's like you won't see these people again. It doesn't matter. So as long as you're being respectful, you can ask questions. You can push back and say, wait, can you double check that? Or I think maybe, you know, I think it's okay. Like, don't be so caught up in what other people think because they won't be home helping you pay that bill later. Exactly. You know, I have small kids and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I did wrong because they they are. And I know, I know this is me joking. I didn't do anything wrong, but they're such picky eaters, you know, and I've tr- I tried my best to introduce them to things early on and they don't like vegetables. Like one, well, my, my middle son, he's like, he will eat it if it's provided. But the other two, it's like, you have to force them. And I don't want to force them. There was like a study shown or someone said there was a study about if you force your kids to eat vegetables, when they get older, they'll, they'll avoid it. They don't want to eat it. And so if you're doing this with kids, what have you found that like your audience has said, like, was the best introduction or best types of meals that kids like? And I know every kid is different, but just for encouragement for the parents, if they want to start doing this with with their family and kids. I remember reading Jessica Seinfeld's book a long time ago. I used I, I learned how to cook by checking out cookbooks from the library and I ended up buying her cookbook and it was about sneaky veggies and getting vegetables and different types of um, produce into food with just chopping it up and throwing it in there, but it's blended. And and so we'll say, I have these pancakes that are green and they're so fun. I, I see so many kid photos uh, around 
St. Patrick's Day. There's no taste of spinach, but they're just pancakes with a lot of spinach blended into the mix. Uh, and so sneaking it in, making it fun, um, creating a little story about it. Uh, that's what my very dear friend and business partner does. She has a three-year-old who is still learning to like vegetables. And uh, she is constantly thinking of just a fun anecdote, like the St. Patrick's Day pancakes. So that's one option. The other option is continuously asking them to try it. Because even for adults like me, I mentioned the brown rice experience. It took me about 10 times to like brown rice. I tried it in all these different ways, in a stir fry, um, in a burrito, and it just I could not get it. But after a while, having it prepared so many different times uh, and giving it a try, it found a place in my palate and now I enjoy it and it's a staple grain for me. So having the same experience with your children where maybe you prepare it differently and ask them to just try it, you don't have to force them but say, let's give it a try. It's it's new. What's different than the last time you had it? And then lastly, creating familiar tasty recipes for them that have simple swaps. Uh, one that my family loves is everyone likes taco night. We, we love tacos. Um, and instead of using ground beef, I will use lentils. They're cheaper. And I flavor them with the same taco seasoning packet. I top them with the same things. And nobody really thinks about it because it's a similar texture and taste. So just making simple swaps that your family already loves and enjoys uh, the taste and textures of can sometimes trick even the biggest naysayers. Okay. All right. I'll have to try some of that and and report back (laughs) to you and the audience. Now for your cookbook or just in general, what's one of the most popular like meals like that you've shared with the audience and you got like great feedback? Even though this, we're recording this, so we're gonna I'll put it on my YouTube channel. But it's we're not we don't have the dish in front of us. But if you can explain what it is and what's your favorite thing that you've uh, created or that you cook. Okay, so the favorite thing that I cook right now it's in um, it's in my book, which is right here, plant based on a budget, quick and easy. Um, it's something called sopa de fideo, which is like a a soupy pasta dish. It's Mexican. My grandma made it all the time. I grew up with my grandparents and uh, it is so good. And I'm not sure if you have anything like this, but when you eat it, it's comforting. It's like a big hug when you when whenever you taste the different flavor combinations and texture combinations, it just brings me home to my grandma's. What are the main ingredients or what's it called? And, wh- and what is it called again? It's called sopa de fideo, and it is, uh, you could buy the fideo in little bags. They're about 50 cents, and they you sell them at Walmart or wherever else in the his, Hispanic section of the grocery store. Then if you don't have that, you can break up angel hair pasta. Uh, and then it's a, you can either use a tomato sauce in a can, which is what I do, but some people will blend up their own tomatoes with a, a vegetable broth and zucchini and onion and garlic. And I put black beans in mine for protein. It's very delicious and hearty and super good. Just super, super good. And Oh, it sounds good. Then the most viral thing every time I post it, every single time for years, uh, is a bean salad. It's got 
a lot of different colors and vegetables in it. I would probably put four different colored beans in there, black, pinto, kidney, chickpea, uh, a can of corn, and then I'll chop up some cilantro, put in some lime or lemon juice and some salt and some red hot chili flakes if you like spice. You can also throw in whatever you have. If you wanted to put an avocado that's a little bit more expensive or a bell pepper, you can throw that in there too. Um, It is so good, so easy, and you can take it to a potluck and people will devour it. And if you put a picture of it on the internet, people will send that post viral, I promise. Okay, so we have to definitely cite or put that that specific post, a link to it in the show notes so everyone can see that. And yeah, I'm like bean salad, really? But I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess it is popular. Yep. And you can make it a meal by putting it in a burrito, like making it a, a burrito with some salsa, or you can use it as a dip if you want to. But I usually just eat it with a, like a salad. Okay. All right. So I am loving all of this. It, you Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> So we will need to tell everyone, Tony, where they can get your cookbook, where they can follow you, find out more about you. And yeah, let's 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 start saving money and eating healthier with vegetarian meals. Thank you. My cookbook is called Plant Based on a Budget Quick and Easy. It's available at plantbasedonabudgetcookbook.com. And I am on all platforms at Plant Based on a Budget. And thank you so much for all the good work that you do helping people take control of their finances. I love your podcast and uh, and I really appreciate being here. Oh, well, thank you again. Oh, don't forget, we are giving away a copy of this week's guest book. So if you want your chance to win, go to journeytolaunch.com slash win for more details and make sure you're following me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.